winter. Hello and welcome to What We Do in the Winter. This is the 51st episode in this series of podcasts from the Isles of Mull, Iona, Ulva, Gometra and Arid. I'm Alistair Satchel. I live outside of Dervig in the north of Mull and I'll be your host today. I hope this finds you well. This episode is a recording of a live event that we had in Dervig Village Hall on Saturday the 7th of March 2020. Considering the weather outside was so foul, it was amazing that we got so many folk turning up. I'm sorry to say that the sound in this episode is not the best. The weather outside was so bad that you can hear the hall's fan flapping in the background quite often and rain against the windows up the top of the hall. The hall is also somewhat equi, so the sound can be a wee bit distant at times. Where the sound is really good, though, is where Gus Stewart picked up people with his boom mic. So I'm really thankful to Gus for his time and effort on the evening. He managed to capture some really great moments with great clarity, so thank you, Gus. Then there was also that fantastic moment where someone broke wind very loudly next to one of the stationary mics. But I've cut this out for your peace of mind and bow. The topics covered in this episode include Dervig Village Hall in the past, a live performance of a play featuring lots of local people at Calgary Bay in 1993, movies made on Mull, and delivery vans. At the start, I go over the rationale for the project again, and if you've just listened to episode 50 at the end of it, you'll have heard that fairly recently, so I do apologise for double-handing this bit, but I thought it was worth keeping in for, for context. There are some videos to accompany this episode, so you can find a link to the playlist for this on our website and in the podcast notes. There'll be a link on our uh, YouTube page as well. At one point, you hear a loud couple of pings. That's because my computer started to get messages from my friends Ewan and Jonathan, so I do apologise for this. I am a fud for leaving it on. Thanks to everyone who took part in this event and made it happen. It was so lovely to hear people together talking about all of this. It was a really special evening. I'm hopeful to do another live event soon, but perhaps through Zoom or something like that, rather than do it in a big hall. So keep your eyes peeled on our social media for more information on this soon. I'll be back at the end of the, the episode with a bit more blathers and some more info on how Islands and Film went. But without further ado, I hand you over to Call Satchel. <laughs> Present my daddy, Alistair Satchel. <laughs> 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 Good evening. Hello to you all. Are you all well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keeping warm enough. It's kind of cold and dark outside. This is uh, the What We Do in the Winter live event, which we're recording it tonight. So you'll see the recorder there, there's a recorder there, and there's a bearded man with a sort of dead cat and a stick that's going to wander around the bank. That's Gus. He's going to record things. And the aim for this is it's Principally, it's about tonight and being here, but let's see if we can get a live recording of it out to put out the podcast as well for the listeners, whatever they may be. Um, so, thank you. To start off, I would like to just say thank you to a few folk, if that's okay. Erin um, and the Hall Committee, Gus over there, Georgia and Colin, my family down there, Nick, Pat, Lynn, Colin, and indeed Hilda. Some of you will find out for Hilda why later on. The format of this evening is fairly simple. We're going to start off with Derrick Hall in the past. I've got a film that I made featuring the box balls of 
1985 and 1987, and the Hall opening of 1985, or the Hall kind of reopening of 1985, the refurbishment. So thank you to Pat and Ian Morrison for the box ball videos, and thank you also to Edna and Neil for the Village Hall opening as well. Thank you both very much, all very much. Then I'm going to, once we've seen those, I'm going to invite uh, Pat and Nick Turnbull to come up and join me on stage to start the discussion about the hall and the memories of the characters and all that sort of things we'll see from that. I've got a couple of questions and then it's over to you to share anything you want. Uh, and as I say, I've got a fairly kind of precise structure for the evening, but I'm happy to be completely derailed and go off in any direction that you want to go off in as well. So please feel free to kind of interject as you wish. Um, following the Derby Village Hall footage, we're going to see some footage of a live event that took place at Calgary in 1993. And thank you very much, Joan, for that footage as well. That's, uh, yeah, it's a rather, it's rather interesting. So, yeah, and there's some news footage with that about that as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then we're going to have a look at some movies made on Mall. And Andrina's going to join us to talk about one of the movies in particular. Following this, uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a wee break, uh, or a break and a wee and a cup of tea. And then following this, we've got photos of delivery vans in the island from the past. I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about the delivery van culture here because it, it, it seems to be, it's pretty much past. I think there's one or two little things that go around still, like the pharmacy will still do deliveries of um, pharmaceuticals to, to doors. And there's other things as well, but the actual culture of big delivery vans is gone. And I particularly want to know about the, the video van. I'm really curious to know about anything about that. That sounded quite interesting. But yeah, anything you want to add in that, you're welcome. Um, after the break here, yeah, we've got delivery vans and then you've got local characters. Who were the characters from the past that stand out in your memory? And then we'll round off with anything else you want to talk about, of course. And uh, yeah, uh, anything you want to say, you're more than happy just to, to throw them out, but you're very welcome to do so. Um, we're also going to, we've got a raffle as well. The raffle is for, it's fundraising for the podcast and, and running costs, and it's about making sure it's secure for the future online and in, in the physical world as well. Um, I think it's important to see why I started this podcast. Can I ask a question of you? Can, I, and can you put your hand up if you've ever been asked the question? What do you do in the winter? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there's, it's that, I, I, there's a sense that our reality is a novelty to someone else that I found kind of tiring. It's nice, it's brilliant, but it is kind of tiring when you hear it a lot. And I've heard so many variations of that again and again. One night someone said, um, there was someone who was working in the Pier Cafe in Tobermory. A punter came up to them and went, ah, oh, it's great, thank you very much, really enjoyed it. So would you go home to open at the end of the day? <laughs> it needs a bit more, we need to shed a bit more light and, and celebrate things. So I think it's important to state, you know, this is a place where people live and die. This is a place where people live depths of life as profound and as interesting as anyone else anywhere else. And so it's just to shine a light onto that. And it's a celebration. It's a celebration of us, our islands, and our communities. We're not one community, we're all sorts of communities together in one bigger community, and it's a celebration of that. Also, it's worth saying, some of the footage tonight, we're gonna to see there are people from the past who are no longer with us that are in there as well. So there are friends and family who are not there, so just to be aware that they'll be with us in, in these moments. But, without further ado, I think we should get into the first bit, which is Derwick Village Hall. As many of you will remember, this footage was filmed by, who was it filmed by? Jill. Jill Gilbraith. Yeah, Jill Gilbraith filmed this. Can anyone describe what that process was like at all? Does anyone remember what she had? <laughs> a very big light. A huge big light. Yeah. And if you weren't in the light, you wouldn't get... <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it, and then there'd be long, long spells where nothing happened. Yes. 
until somebody came into the light again. And they're gone for how many hours? Seems like a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But that was right at the beginning of video cameras, I mean, she was in the cutting edge. She was definitely the cutting edge at the start there, yes. So you can see within these films, there's patches of people going into the light and then out of the light again. It's quite, it's quite something. Yes, yeah, so the first bit of footage we're going to see uh, comes from the box balls of 85 and 87. Can anyone tell me what was a box ball? What was a box ball? Um, can I ask, uh, Shogun, can you tell me? Sorry, uh, Andy Pandy, <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, yes. Um, what, what, is a, what was a box ball? So you came dressed as a TV character to the box ball. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. For those of you that haven't seen this before, that's that says the context. It was uh, showing like, uh, uh, people <laughs> acting out TV characters amongst other things, a wide variety of things. Yeah. Only this thing, yes. I thought that I've kept it to one CU Jimmy. There's about five CU Jimmies in 87, so I can kept it to one of those. And then uh, after the, the footage of 85 and 87, we're going to see the opening of the Village Hall, or the reopening of the Village Hall as well. Colin, thank you very much. George, is it okay to have lights off? <laughs> Join us on stage. Please. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank God it was edited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were they were quite long there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can I ask? Uh, can you hear okay up at the back? Is that all right? Can you hear us all there? Yep, you can hear the out. Sorry, but we'll try and speak a bit louder for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Grand. Um, so if you can see nice and loud, that's all right. So what um, we see, we saw a couple of different instances of life at the village hall. There, what were your first kind of memories of the village hall? What, what stands out for you from the past in the village hall? Do you think? Hard work. Why? Why was it hard work? Because, well, we had to run the show. Yes. And the committee had to run the show. Yeah. And it meant, yeah, a lot of hours. What were, those, what were those things like? What would you be doing? Oh, well, organising booze for the, ah. for the dancers and organising people to come and play at dances. And so earlier on, you know, the, we're, we're in we're hall number three here. Yes. Yeah. But the first hall was a wooden, just a wooden building. Yeah. And it was much more of a community affair because I can remember, I think it was... My mother-in-law, who had been the secretary, and then she lumbered me with that. But when we had meetings, it was all, it was just like local. It was, you know, Betty Smiddy and, and Margaret Mackay and just all the local, mostly wifes, who saw to the sandwiches and the cakes, and, and we had bring and buy singles. And there would only be very few actual dances. And I think we were the first lot to actually do licensed dances. Yes. And there were those who said, oh, it'll just be trouble. 
But in actual fact, there was less trouble because there weren't so many half bodies planked out in the bushes outside. <laughs> so, you know, it was all, all contained within the building. And then when we decided to build hall number two, yes. we had to raise the money to do that. Yeah. And so we had quite a lot of dances. Yeah. And with, with a licensed bar. So that was the whole committee were there on the bar. And then there was the clean up job and it was all. Um, and I don't know whether it's all right to say this, but we were actually only supposed to have four licenses a year. And then somebody figured that if we had all these different clubs, like the football club and the badminton club and the dance club, you could have four <laughs> for them as I believe the deal is that we would be excited as well. That's how we raised the money. Yeah. And, um, and it worked. Yeah. But in a way, it became more business like rather than the community thing that it was to start with. Yeah. And then we did this. Yeah. So, when was this all built, Nick? When was this? <coughs> well, yeah, it was a millennium hall, so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was six or just, just 20 years now. 20 years now. So, yeah, I mean, it's always been. The centre of the community, I would say. Yes. Um, Why is that? Why is the hall being at the centre of the community? Particularly, I think in those days where there was maybe less, where well, we weren't computers and the sort of external things. And less You know, like yeah. David's uh, film night was a big, big night. Um, I remember the gas cooker, the gas heaters. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, halfway through the night, yeah. Going yeah, everyone's, everyone's head is going, because the, the fumes are full of gas. <laughs> and I always remember watching Gandhi. And, uh, That's a long movie. He had two, two projectors. One of them was good, and one of them was crap. <laughs> and I really got into the first half of Gandhi, and then the second half. There was nothing. <laughs> I didn't understand the word, but see anything. Oh, no. uh, so they're always interesting evenings. Um, so there's a lovely tale. I, I don't, I don't know if I put it in the podcast or not. I think I might have. There was someone who was talking about the village hall. I can't remember who it was exactly. And they said that for Pittman's film nights, there was one night he took a chance and he showed Last Dango in Paris, and uh, some boys from Tobermory turned up and said to him. When's the dirty bit? Eight twenty. Play him off to the pub. <laughs> one, one of the really funny things, in order to show these films in those days, you had to be in a film club. Yes. And it was um, non-profit making. Yes. So David, of course, always charged because it went to all funds. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this particular time, so you'd get the reels, show them, and then send them back. At this particular time, there was no no films for a couple of months because he, he doesn't fortunately send the priceless ah, film. <laughs> and they took exception to that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, there, there were things like that that made it uh, made it the centre of of the village really, and. and um, being in the centre of the village wasn't always that great either because the dances used to cause a bit of Well, we were lucky we were in the Yeah, we were lucky. It's better being out here, I think. It causes less disturbance than it used to do. 
Can I ask? Thank you both very much. Um, can I ask the audience, does anyone have any memories of the village hall at all, particularly, that they want to share? Is there anything that sticks out from your time and kind of here that you think, oh, yes, I remember that? Or is there anything that's... Uh, any, any, uh, John, yes, what about yourself? That we can talk about. That we can talk about, yes, exactly, yes, yeah. Are there any, is there anything that sticks out from any of the box balls at all? Yes, Neil. I remember when, uh, years ago, I don't know how many, not many in here will know, the Callum Kennedy show. Yes, yes. yes. That, was, that was a great night. Yeah, who was with Callum? Do you remember who was with him? Uh, Will Starr. Will Starr? Yeah, and uh, yeah, who else was with him? I can't remember. <laughs> Aye. But they, they were bright nights. Yes, Callum's wife was there as well. Alice Oh, gosh, there we go. Oh. Callum Kennedy, there's some fantastic footage on YouTube of the, the end of that era. era. There's a, if you look on YouTube, there's something called Callum Kennedy's Commando Course. And it's about the latter days of that when uh, things are changing, audiences are moving more to television and things like that. And people start peeling off from his band. And Blair Douglas, the accordion player, a very famous accordion player from Sky, whose dad was the technical teacher in, in Portree, he, uh, he's there as well. And he's, I don't know what's going on at all. And there's a wee beret playing his box. It's really good, but yeah. Other the play for concerts, dances, raising money for the local mods and all the rest of it was George Smith, and he was never, ever recognised in the paper. There was never an obituary for him really? or anything, and he played for nothing. For years. For years. For years. Fonte, I've heard lovely tales of, of Fonte. That one of his, he would do really interesting turns as well within just tiny little things. Like he played the, the Hens March to the Midden, and he did, which is a fam very famous tune. At the end of it, he would sit, stand up and he'd have an egg underneath him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I... Runrig also played in the hall as well, I believe. That was in the early days. Capper Cayley, yeah. There's, in the footage that you passed on for the opening of the hall, there's footage of Ailey Shaw, the sister of uh, Capper Cayley, uh, playing the fiddle as a very young woman, which is really lovely. Um, yeah. Are there any moments from the, the video that you've just seen that stand out that you want to have a look at and just thought, oh, I didn't catch what that was? There's any, does anyone want to see anything in particular at all? Because we can scroll back through it very quickly. I'm particularly interested in the who was it that was the sweet person that came out of the sweeping? Well, that was Kate Pittman. Kate Pittman. Yeah. Kate Pittman. What? Can you tell me what did Kate do for the rest of the evening? Did she? Pissed, I think. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, she stayed in character and swept the whole evening. She swept all around and wouldn't come out. But Kate also had a legendary costume. Um, She's the STV thistle. Yes. And it was really narrow at the bottom. And she was also um, relaxing before she came up the village. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the STD thistle shaped like that, uh -huh. as was Kate apparently. Uh -huh. Couldn't move her arms or anything. Myself and Howie helped her up the, up the street. And she got to the door of the, the shop, used to be, it was the door of the shop, and there was a wee lit. <laughs> she was flat. And we were about 13, 14, we just ran away. One of the interesting things that also I'm just remembering that we did with, with David was a full length play. Yeah. And we used, I don't know if anyone's here, that was in that play. It had just about everybody in the village showing. Right. Um, okay, okay, um, was that the Stags Opera? No, it was um, a play called Montserrat. 
by Lillian Hellman. Okay. Oh, yeah. A full length, two hour play. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing to, to have produced that using just everybody around and about. Um, and full houses. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, David's legacy is very clear and obvious. It's, mm. uh, there's no two ways about it. Uh, pantomime as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the pantomime, yeah. Can you tell us what were the pantomimes like? I was silage in the pantomime. <laughs> was that your critical notice or was that? A, 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 I think I was a bit typecast. Ah. <laughs> um, Robert Bob Beer is my opposite. <laughs> What's the opposite of saying? Uh, no one leaves my opposite. Person. Uh, he was, he was sort of a silagey person too. Right. <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was yeah, David wrote it sort of. Yeah. It was a wee bit unscripted in places. Fantastic. Um, good fun. Gremlin was in it. Some interesting characters in there. Better not say too much, actually. <laughs> Did you notice the footage of the raffle at one point as well? Did you see what the prizes were in the raffle? The key prize was something really interesting. I think it was Catherine Duffy that won it as well. Did anyone notice what it was? Yeah, a large, it was either a turkey or a chicken, a large frozen turkey or chicken. Yeah, dancer. Fantastic. No, really correct. So some of our prizes tonight, the mystery prizes might harken back to an era of raffles gone by, you shall see. Um, another, another couple of bands have played here with Wolfstone. Oh, Wolfstone, yes. Wolfstone, the McCallmans. Yeah. They all played here, Duncan Chisholm, you know. And the dogs, yeah, they're amazing for them. Ah, yeah. all right. They're Duncan Chisholm, yeah. Um, and uh, Cavalanzi, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, so there's something that's uh, lovely, you, you talked about it uh, when we were trying to be that uh, when Petey Willie and uh, oh, Tom Anderson came. That, oh, oh, that was the first call. Right. And somewhere we've got a cassette that I don't think it's very good, but you might be able to enhance it. Right. Yeah. So, can you describe what happened after we played the the, the village hall? Where did because people would come this far and then they wouldn't just stop playing in the hall; they'd go somewhere else and play. Can you describe uh, what happened afterwards? Was it, uh, I don't know. All I know is they went up to our bed and had a very good killing. Yeah. But what happened when they went after that? I don't yeah. Know. There's a lovely description of a really really sitting playing the guitar yeah. and it's like yeah. yes, stretched over. That's, I mean, that's it was before I told us, so mm. they were, you know, they would come to village halls. Yeah. That's maybe one downside, really, of what's happened is they don't really get that now because they obviously use Antogo, which is the, yeah. is the art. A very space in itself, I guess, of course. It's yeah. a shame in a way because you know, it would be good to have it in the village again. We know that this cinema screen was installed just the other day, so the potential for screen films here is back in screen films. The village hall has a, a PDSL license as well, which is a, a free screening license. Thing, which is cool. Well, thank you both very much. We're going to Thank you. Is uh, from let's see where we are. Uh, 1993. So this is Calgary Bay in 1993. And thank you very, very much, Joan, for this. And I've, I've held on to it for ages to find the right moment to get it out here. So, um, and can I ask, is anyone 
Were you in the production at all? I was in it. She was. Three minutes. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> You'll see buffalo crawling along the macha. Yeah. Right. Or something else you were very looking for, five or six weeks. Was anyone else in it? Colin, we were gone from school by that time. Rona was. Rona was, yeah. Yeah, Christy was. So, can I see, did anyone go and see the, the production at Calgary Bear Tom? Yes. Aye. Rory Fairbanks is a star. Oh, yeah. It's a horse. Do you remember? Are you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's rather interesting. It's called uh, the piece of footage it tells you there. And George Wiley, the sculptor, was over for it as well. Who's you know one of the greatest <coughs> Scottish artists there's ever been. And he was there. And there's a speech that he gives. I haven't included it in this, but I'll maybe put it up online if that's okay, because it's interesting hearing him talk. Um, and yeah, so it's rather cool. Colin, is okay to pop on? I think it's. Hey Colin, thank you. That's great. <laughs> so after this, I think we'll um, have a, a, a wee break, if that's okay. Uh, yeah. didn't show that it was the most amazing thing of the two Metis Indians, one on either side of Calgary Bay on the hilltops, oh. sh shouting across to each other. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So their voices echoing across the space. Yeah, but they sort of, I don't know, I, I can't explain it. It was quite, quite a magical moment, uh, just seeing them on top of the hill, shouting across to each other. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So what was it like, Joan, if it's okay to ask you something? An entire day, wasn't it? An entire day? Mm -hmm. Gosh, so how did, do you remember how the day kind of worked? Was it you... Before was the first part set in Scotland, was the second part set in Canada? It was Scotland, and then on the boats they were then went to Canada. Boats on the beach. Right. It was beautifully done, wasn't it? Yeah. They built that wee house in uh, an hour. They built the house in an hour? But it was just five glass. Right, right. And they burnt it down as well. They so didn't. They just put a smoke thing in it. Right. right. It didn't work for a while, but they. Nikki, if I can ask, what are your memories of seeing it on holiday? What did you think? I was blown away. I mean, I was, I've always been interested in the North American Indian culture and the fact yes. that two, two were coinciding together for the afternoon and the, the, the whole story of the clearances is just so heartbreaking. Yes. Um, I just found it really, really moving. I've got loads of photographs of it. Do you? Yeah. Ah, that'd be really interesting to see at some point if that, yeah. if that was possible. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, but I just, I, I just can't believe I'm sitting here talking about it, yeah. you know, all these years later. 93, really so what, it's 27 years <laughs> Yeah, <coughs> yeah, where did that go? <laughs> yeah. Well, just well, I mean, when they burnt the house, I had to take the granny home. Yes. Because she was so upset because her family had been cleared from from uh, Croft and Skye. So her own father had experienced that exact experience, and so she. She just <coughs> had to take her home. So I missed all the rest. <laughs> I missed all the good bits. Yeah. Um, but then George Riley heard that she was upset and he came to see her. He was a very nice man. Yeah. Yeah. What was George's role in the production? Does anyone remember it all? Was he there? I 
tell you he's going to make a special sculpture which it swiveled but it would point to Calgary in Canada although there's some I know there's some debate about whether it's the same Calgary or not but yeah the principle was that this would swing towards Calgary all yeah. the time but he needed money to do it so it's actually two halves. There's supposed to be one here, like yeah. arrows or... And they pointed to each other. Yeah, yeah. But it was a moving... It moved. Yes, kinetic, yes. Uh, uh, to add, uh, we come from Montana in the U.S., which is south of Calgary. Yeah. And um, we know Metis. Yes, of course. Yeah. Landless Indians in uh, Montana and in Canada. Yeah. And so it's really quite remarkable to have this to come here and be in this place yeah. where we're close to these same people. They were here, yeah, it's, it, it's quite a special thing. There's a wonderful book called Fatal Passage by uh, Ken McGugan. Ken McGugan, yeah. Um, and it's about the explorer John Ray. And John Ray was a fantastic explorer who uh, looked around the Northwest to find the Northwest Passage, to find out what happened. Amongst other things, he was looking and prospecting and looking around up there as well for the Hudson Bay Company. He, he went to find out what had happened to the Terror and the Erebus. And the Meti were among his friends and greatly respected by when he was further south. And then uh, it went up. So, yeah, that's definitely worth If you don't have a copy, it's worth it. Yeah, and they have a connection also with the Irish who were clear. Yes, yes. Am I right in remembering that the Meti first generation um, 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 people coming into the native territories, and it's the, the, they're the cross between those um, first French, people. Yeah. Yes, the French. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the French <coughs> and the Indians, the Scots and the Indians, yes. and the, and the uh, Irish Indians. And one interesting thing about the Metis recently is that in Montana, uh, we have 11 uh, official tribes that have been recognized by the federal government and Gosh. they get health care and yeah. those sorts of things. And the Métis have been trying for a hundred years to get that same uh, recognition, and they just got it. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> and it's probably the only thing that Trump has done that was good is he signed the, <laughs> signed the bill. So, yeah, so they are now official uh, tribe, so they make the 12th tribe in Montana. It's amazing. There's a lovely book as well by Charles Fraser, the author of uh, Cold Mountain. I think it's called Something Moon. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember its full name. But in that, he talks about how postmen had to speak Gaelic because the letters coming from home in Scotland had Gaelic addresses on them. And Ty for Nace, Fashkara Crave, you know, the, the house below the waterfall near the tree. And so the, the post people of those early days had to to speak and understand Gaelic, which was an amazing link across the cultures to think that our language is part of the history of America as well as, you know, amazing. Great. These links are amazing. Is there anything else anyone wants to say about uh, about that production at all, or that experience, any memories? He never built it, though. No, he didn't build the... Yeah. Maybe it's still got to be done. Yeah, that could be amazing. Maybe find another sculptor that would be, yeah. Respectful. It's interesting. So that, that would have been on Calgary Pier, wouldn't it? No, well, he, he did the prototype on the beach. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Are there any photos of the prototype you can remember at all? Someone must have taken it. was right at the end of the day. Right. Um, I think we should have a tea break.
if that's okay. So if it's okay to ask the uh, army people to man their arms and uh, yeah, that's you. Yeah, exactly. That's me as well. Yeah. much conversation to be had about so many different things that kind of draws us back in. It's really, it's fascinating, isn't it? Really, really, that's, um, oh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> Just two minutes. Um, I, to start us off, if it's okay, it's okay if we have to talk about what we've got over there, if that's all right. Um, so we were having a conversation just, ah, uh, oh, it's warm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple of moments ago, about some uh, photos on the table over there. Is it, is it okay to come up and stand so people can hear you point that way if that's alright? Can you tell us about the images that are at the back of the room? What, what do we have? They're just some old family photo albums of um, Calgary dating back to about 1900 um, and going through to um, probably about 50 years ago. Um, a lot of them are um, family family pictures, but they show some quite interesting ones of Calgary Castle and also um, Beach and the what's now the North Car Park, where there used to be a little wooden picnic cart. So it's just a mixture of photos, but um, there's also. Um, a, a, a narrative of the 1951 census for Kilninian and Kilmore Parish. Um, it's a document about 50 pages long, but if anybody wants a, a, a copy of it, then I can do a PDF copy of it. Um, and it just talks about the uh, schools, the population, the churches, how the land was broken up, the crofts, the animals, numbers of animals. Um, how cattle numbers dropped and sheep numbers rose and that sort of thing. And it's just a, a narrative written around it, all of the uh, census information from 1951. Which and is amazing, because the amount yeah. of times you look at a census online, you're like, oh, God, what's that mean? All these numbers and names of places that are completely abstract. So to, yeah. have, to flesh that is amazing. It's comparing it back sort of 50 and 100 years to the censuses previously. So um, I found it a really interesting document. We, we found it um, in the house about three years ago, and it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. So if anybody's interested in something back yes, there. Yeah, totally, yeah, totally. So uh, maybe get a, a bit of paper and get to uh, a list of email addresses for that. That's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very much appreciate it. And please do look at the photos, because they are fascinating. There's, uh, if you know that, like, there's one of uh, Calgary Castle where it's got a, a from the 1930s, is it? And it's got it's, a big... It's uh, 1908 and 19... it's uh, got a huge glass house, a huge orangery on the side um, of the castle. But that there's photos later and that's disappeared by about 1930. So I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's strange, isn't it? Amazing. Well, thank you so much. That's great. We're now going to move into the world of uh, cinema. And there are, over the years, there have been many movies made here in Mal. There's one forthcoming. I think The Shepherd will be out eventually, apparently, this year. Uh, it's supposed to be the year it comes out. Uh, I don't know. That's exactly what everyone's asking. Yeah, yeah. The story, um, can anyone explain the story of what happened to The Shepherd? Uh, what, what was the. Yeah. Could you want to say, yeah? Well, we, we, you know, we answered the casting call to be extras. 
and it, it's a it's a it's a horror film or, yeah. or psychological horror film. Yes. Really good uh, leading cast, and it was apparent from the very moment we stepped we went over there um, onto um, uh, where was it? Um, um, Gribbon. Gribbon, yeah, Gribbon. Um, that, that it was sort of hopelessly, it was just poorly managed, and um, so. I got cast as, the, as, as, a, as a vicar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Um, and uh, we stood, oh, all the other extras um, were dressed up and we stood around this open, empty grave in the howling winds. It was 30, 30 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour winds. Um, oh, veils flying, black veils streaming. It was quite spectacular. Oh, wow. But we had to stand there so that you know the main actors could come in and, and say a few things. Um, anyway, we were promised 100, 200 pounds each for okay. the day, which was pretty good, and a meal, two meals. Um, but uh, we got paid half of that, which we were lucky to get. Yes, yes. and we never got the rest. Did you get and food? The pun? Did you get the food? We got the meals. We got the meals. Yeah, yeah, we ate those. And uh, the crew ran off with the uh, footage, or the discs with the footage, yeah. um, because they didn't get paid either. And uh, I don't know whether the actors got paid. I, I assume they did, actually, probably. Uh, and the, the whole thing is, 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 uh, is a mess. Um, and uh, they ran out of money. Um, it's said to be back up filming again oh, right. uh, in Dumbarton in, in the studio, putting the finishing touches to this masterwork. <laughs> and we're all just hoping that, that our, if it does appear, that our little pieces won't appear on the, won't be on the cutting floor. You know? <laughs> well, you'll see in this, there's some, there's a few, there's a few faces. There's one, uh, yeah, the, the Silent Storm has got a lot of good faces, local faces in it. There's a shot where it's in the, in the, the church and lots of people, oh, there's that person, that person. <laughs> Um, there's a few local faces, not that many in this, because this goes from uh, nine, over nine different films from 1969. Oh no, actually from earlier than that, um, from 39, when, oh no, 40, too quick. I know where I'm going. That's 40, wasn't it? Um, so, nine, yeah, so all the way back there, I know where I'm going, way back there. So, Carl, if it's okay, can I ask you to put the lights off for me on this, right? And uh, let's just see if the music lights up there. Uh, well, um, try that one. There we go, darling, that's it. Give you press space for the Annabelle calling Caroline. This is Annabelle calling Caroline. Good morning, Caroline. This is Annabelle. Have you located the missing vessel? I have. We live off the country. Rabbits, deer, and a stray hiker or two. I warned you about this, Caroline. He must not get back to Germany. Catch him or kill him. Understood. Singvogel, here is die Nadel. Kommen. Grubby little men with gabardine raincoats and dandruff. Sooner you stop chasing red headings and get back here, the better for all of us. Well, I don't have dandruff, sir. I went down to LA this morning. I know. I happened to bump into this wild gypsy girl in the heather, that's all.
I'm a Highlander myself. I know of not any finer people in the world, but they're 500 years behind England and must be brought into the realm of the nation state. Am I not a body fighter? He has the finest tackle from Glasgow, but uh, the fish don't know him. Boats would be wonderful if only one didn't have to go to sea in them. I don't understand it. He should have been here by now. If I'm late. Who do you work for? Who sent you here? I'm a fisherman. The wind was strong, I was blown off course. Have you ever bought a woman's dress? How would you like your submarine gentleman? Gift wrapped? What I'm concerned about at the moment is your plan to steal the Russian crown jewels. I suppose you want me to kidnap the man. Brilliant. How did you guess? Do you any proper biscuits? Beg your pardon, sir. Proper biscuits, the ones with the cream inside. to do a film about the films made in Mull for, for so long. There are so many beautiful images in Mull. There's really, so I'm a filmmaker and I find it really interesting to see how professional filmmakers, cinematographers of great repute choose to film the island and what they do with that footage. And for me, the best footage of the island is still one of the first ones. It's, I know where I'm going. The stuff shot at Loch Bui is just unbelievable. It's just exceptional. The way that the pier is there, and you see that there's a shot where you see him standing around with a lady standing statically. It's absolutely beautiful. A masterpiece of composition. Really, really quite something. So it's interesting to see how the eyes of someone from away sees here. And I'm really curious to see how, as time progresses, maybe I could do something I've always wanted to do a Western. I thought a Western set here could be very nice indeed. So I don't know. Anyway, it's quite far west, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, the, can anyone tell me, the, without, uh, without remembering the, the end there, can anyone tell me the names of the films that you saw there? What do you remember seeing there? Yes. What did you see? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yes, what else was there? When Eight Bells Toll, of course, yes. What else was there? Eye of the Needle. Eye of the Needle, yes. Yeah. Entrapment, yep. Oh, entrapment, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's also... Storms. Yep, Silent Storm. Kidnap, very nice, yep, yep. And Island, very nice, what else? Madame Sin. Madame Sin, yes. Has anyone seen Madame Sin before at all? It's quite something, this is. It's a 
curious, curious piece, there's no two ways about it, um, but it's quite charming as well. Um, what do you call him? Tinker from Lovejoy is in it. He's one of the bad guys in it. It's really, really amusing. So, um, was anyone involved? In, and that's fantastic you were able to say about being involved in uh, Shepherd. That's cool. Was anyone else involved in any of the films at all? Andrina and I were talking and said, Neil, yes. <laughs> you were involved in Winnie Bell's Toll. Fantastic. What did you do in Winnie Bell's Toll? You were cutting up a wheel. You were cutting up a wheel. Fantastic. So down at Grass Point. Yes. Wow. So you, are, are you quite prominent? Can you be seen quite clearly in it? I can't remember. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> what was the experience like? Was it quite a nice thing? Oh, it was good. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's um, that's a great scene. That's a really nice moment down at Grass Point in that film as well. I think uh, the way when they go into the house, though, it's not the same as in reality. It's uh, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Did he do his own stunts, Andrea? I think he did, actually. Um, Anthony did most of his stunts, but um, Natalie didn't do any. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, <laughs> yes, yeah. Was anyone else involved in Eye of the Needle at all? Kind of. Yeah, Nick, what did you do? The lighthouse in the house was at Treshner's Head, yes. Treshner's Point. We, we used to fish, obviously, down below it. Yeah. And I always remember finding this really funny because they needed, it was summertime when they filmed it, yeah. and they needed a really stormy yeah. scene. Mm -hmm. And they had a they had a pump down to the sea, <laughs> making rain. <laughs> Can you believe it? Making rain. <laughs> ah, they, the buildings were amazing. I mean, they looked quite good, but they came they came down in four hours. <laughs> I think I think everybody did really quite well out of the eye of the needle. And I'm right in remembering that the, there was a pool that was left over on the island from Eye of the Needle that ended up at Derby Primary. Yeah. What was I the was story? the driver as well. Oh, and the driver? I was a driver. You were a driver? I was a driver. I remember, I'm really jealous. I'm I know, I didn't have to go for another one because yeah. I kept ditching them. Oh, really? <laughs> was that uh, after <laughs> was hours or during the... It wasn't us. Apparently, yes, I heard it was uh, something quite notorious. And uh, Paul was at school, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they took of it. So what was, the, what was the experience of driving like? Was it quite good fun? Was it, it was good fun. It was an eye-opener. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because we did get to sit with all the actors. So. Yeah. Did they, were they well behaved? They were, well, when we saw them, they were, at night they weren't so much. Right. Nice. Was, um, <clears throat> no, it was good. good the job fun. had to be done. Yeah. Well, Andrew, if it's okay, can I ask, so, so, Neil, were you going to say something there? Bye. William Macron, he was working on the Eye of the Needle over at Trashnish. And he had to build a broken down wall <laughs> right round the, the premises. Really? Yep, and that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> to, to build a broken down wall. <laughs> and then they numbered every stone in the wall and took it to London and rebuilt it again. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's my there was an old movie, I don't know if any of you know it, called The Ghost Goes West. Does anyone remember that movie at all? Oh, I know that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's The Ghost Goes West. My, I used to ask my grand, tell me a ghost story. My grand was from college and she'd say, oh, the only ghost story I know is The Ghost Goes West. And that was about a castle that was taken across from uh, Scotland to America. All the stones numbered, put together, and the ghost went with it. It's, uh, it's a lovely, it's a very gentle comment. It's, okay. it's nice. Yeah. I was there for two months, the whole time of the tunnel. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I had a wheeled excavator at the time, so I was employed to make roads and bridges and haul Ranger, Range Rovers out of the drains and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And it was, a, it was fantastic. I was there, and I had a labourer with me at least maybe two at times, and uh, the money was just fantastic. Whatever hours you put in, you got paid it. And the, there, was two, there was two tanks, and they were taken down the track past the Howard Houses, yes. and they were filled up from a little burn there, and then they were let go to create a waterfall. That's what they were, that's what they were for down there. Yeah. They had a huge marquee there which you could get a meal at any time of day and uh, as much lager as you wanted. So, <laughs> it was a fantastic <laughs> job. Yeah, it was, I was there from just about day one till the end of it, clearing up. And, uh, uh, yeah, they built, they built a fantastic... Uh, lighthouse down there, yes. and you would think it had just been there for years and years and years, and it was made of a, a frame of canvas, and even the seagull's dust, and all that stuff, and there was a, there was a gardener, and he would go every day and get fresh uh, flowers, where you would see them naturally in a sheltered place where there was one, <coughs> and nettles, and thistles, and these things, brought them in when, when they were filming. And that, it was absolutely meticulous everything so they done. Very, very professional, aye, I must say. I remember, I, I, I remember all the boys used to drink at the pub down here. The boys used to drink at the pub? Aye, the workers. And they were, they were you getting champagne. You heard of the drink running out the door? Aye. Well, these, uh, it was champagne that was running out the door. And that is honest. The course were hitting the roof every five minutes, and there was half of it was in the... Honest to goodness, it was running around. Jordan, Jordan, seven hundred quid a week subsistence. Seven hundred a week subsistence. Aye, yep, that's what they were getting. And I said, "What do you want?" Remember, we they said to him, "What are you drinking, Alec?" He said, "Oh, a a whiskey, please." And I just bought my bottle. Handed him the bottle. They were all drinking champagne. Yeah. So that's the opposite of Shepherd. What's amazing, you can see how film is such a good economic motor for areas because you've got <coughs> that and then you've got the tourists that come off the back of it. So there's still a, a tale of tourism for Mickwick. I know where I'm going to this, to this year. This year's a special anniversary year, isn't it? And so they're, they're having a, a, a gathering at Loch Bowie and other things. And, uh, yeah, so it'll be, be fascinating. And Gina, would it be okay to ask you to come up and join us here if that's all right? We can talk a little bit about uh, when eight bells toll. Can anyone now? This is an interesting one. Does anyone know what uh, the actual term when eight bells toll means? Because it's it's not exactly yeah. change eight o'clock in the ship. Yes. Yeah. So the ship's well. It's, it's the change of change of watch. What a great name for a story. It was an Alistair McLean story originally. Yeah. So it's rather enjoyable. I never forget how it related to the film. I really can't figure out how it relates to the film. I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't know if it's a reference to Bond and saying, "Look, there's someone else now." I don't know if it's that because Bond was in ascendance at the time, or had been in ascendance. But I don't know if it's a kind of employee saying, "Aha, I've got this for the marketplace." I'm not sure. That's great. Uh, Don, can you hear us in the back? Okay, is that all right? Yeah, Mary's okay. Cool, excellent. Can you hear us all the back? Is that all right for you guys in the back? Cool. Well, um, Andrea, Andrea Duffy, um, who, who are you? To ask that question for the podcast. Um, can you say, yeah, what was your involvement in uh, Winnie Dodd's Tour? Well, my father had um, a boat that he took trips out to Stafford, and the film company thought that he, that would be a good boat to be the baddest boat. 
And when they came up to, to look at the place, I was crewing for death. And I had long blonde hair, and the star had long blonde hair. And they said, would I do the stand-ins? Um, and then they said, would I do the stunts? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so what were the stunts that you remember doing? Um, well, the main one, really, was swimming across Tilmory Bay. Um, we, had to, <laughs> <laughs> we had to swim from almost the, RS, the old Irish Pier. Um, which was they had a, the posh boat was there, and um, Natalie Dennon was escaping to try and go to um, Anthony Hopkins's boat. And so the only thing that, my stipulation was that the boat should go in front of me to make sure there was no jellyfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, I swam across, and then I was pulled out by Robert Morley, and that was quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> And the clip that you saw in the film of him being um, in the wee um, inflatable, when he finished that scene, he said to me, um, Andrina, do you know about the script? I haven't read the script yet. I think I should. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like working with Anthony Hopkins? How was he talking about? He was absolutely brilliant. He was a perfect gentleman. Um, in the evenings, they were all staying at the Western, and we used to go... Um, supper there and after we'd had supper he would um, play the piano and he would take everybody off um, and there was a wonderful wardrobe man called Leo and um, he was a great character and we had because a lot of the film the films filled from the boats we had extra boats sort of following the other ones right. and I was often on the wardrobe boat with Leo oh. and he was quite a character but Anthony Hopkins he was just a brilliant guy. The, my favourite bit of that was in Dirt, in the Great Hall in Dirt. I don't know if you remember, he gets a, um, a stag's head off the wall and he pins um, the star, Natalie Dennell. And it was great because while they were setting up the cameras, Natalie always used me as the stand-in. I had to stand so they got the lights right. But Anthony Hopkins never used his stand-in. So I was half an hour chatting to him. And he was the nicest man, I think, one of the nicest men I've ever met. He was great. But I didn't get paid 200 pounds for the stunts. <laughs> <laughs> I paid 30 pounds. Really good. Oh, it's 100. It's 100. It's so unfortunately. And then, I remember when we talked about this, people said there was uh, an unusual character. Somebody who later gained prominence to appear as a journalist at the time. Oh, Ginny Cooper. Um, <laughs> she came up to interview Robert Morley. And Robert Morley and I shared an interest in racehorses. And we would sit between sh sort of film shots talking about racehorses. And it was actually the year Park Top won the St. Ledger, if anybody else knows about racehorses. And we were discussing this. Anyway, Ginny Cooper then started interviewing. And some of you may know that my father was a colonel. And Ginny was asking him all these questions. And I came into the room. And Robert Morley said, here comes the colonel's daughter. Do you think she looks like a colonel's daughter? What do you think a colonel's daughter should look like? And Ginny Cooper was writing all this down. <laughs> so that was quite... Interesting.
I've looked to see if I can find the, the interview, and I haven't yet found it. You got it! Ah, oh, brilliant! I've been getting copy of that, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, because I've looked all over the place, I couldn't find it anywhere, so. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, thank you. And was it a fun experience for me? That? Was it? Yes, it was brilliant. I mean, particularly made good by Anthony Hopkins, and that was before um, he became famous in the Shakespeare company. Yeah. It was very early on in his career. And he was, he was good. But um, I got into trouble one day, because I don't know if you know, but one of the scenes when they've got Dirt Castle above the cave and the, um, <coughs> the whaling boat goes into the cave and it's a night shot. Well, they had the standard flying on Dirt Castle. And I said, you can't have that, it's wrong. Oh, they said, don't worry, it's better for the effect. So <laughs> I got into trouble for criticising them. The last scene of the film is actually me because um, the star is given a, a gold ingot to take and she has to start an, um, an outboard motor and sail from the Duet slip out into the sound. Well, I was getting married um, in about three weeks' time and Natalie Dennell actually bit her nails and I was trying to grow my nails so I could paint them for my wedding. And they cut all my nails right back so my hands would look like this. <laughs> 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 well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Conscious of time, that's quarter past nine. I don't want to, to keep you too long. So I think, um, why don't we do the raffle very quickly and then we'll talk about delivery vans. <laughs> that's all right. So if I can ask you to produce your uh, raffle tickets. Georgia, could we have the raffle tickets if that's okay? There you go. So there's raffle etiquette. You know, what, what should we do? Should we have it uh, you know, the privilege of the seeker or should we do it? I think we'll do it. This item is, and that, that person gets banned. So the first item is a mystery item. And this is an item that is so desirable, <laughs> handcrafted by Hilda Marsh and Georgia, that it should be re-raffled at some point. So if we, we'd like to see it in another raffle at another point for certain. Yeah. So, to start us off, whoever gets in your sleep, um, can I ask Cass? Oh, you still look your and uh, orange 38. Orange 38. And the final mystery prize. Again, this has a street value of. Well, they're not allowed to sell them on eBay anymore. It's really quite something. Um, so if I can ask... Tooted orange 221. Orange 221. Orange 221. Orange 221. You've won the hand sanitizer. So, um, our next section is uh, about 
delivery vans, the culture of delivery vans is what they, what they did. And it's, it's kind of a more open thing. I've got an excerpt from an, um, an interview I did with Yuffie down in the Ross of Mull. Yuffie was fantastic. Sometimes when I do the podcast, I don't actually know the people. I don't get a chance to, to meet them very often beforehand. And it's, it, Yuffie was one, of, it was one of the first times I'd met her, and it was great because we got on really well, and it was lovely. And this is one of the, the really interesting stories to me that she had um, about... Um, about delivery van culture, so if that's okay, thanks. What was food like, you know, when you were growing up? Was, was it tatties and herring? What was? Well, we'd have that sometimes, and uh, when I was younger, and uh, the, uh, there was two shops in the village, right enough, but the, the vans came up down to Tobermory, which we were quite well off. There was the cooperative van. And All then right. there was somebody, I can, there was a Stephen and Wright once, I can remember. Uh-huh. I mean, we, 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 and there was the, well, latterly, uh-huh. there was the butcher's, uh, Mori, I can't remember his name, Johnston. Uh-huh. And there'd be every second, three times a week, at least there'd be vans coming down. And they would go round, I think a lot, they went round Greben way and they did Greben mm. as well. But we were, with the shops as well, but we, if we had wanted anything, we had no car, you would have to walk down to Benesson. Yeah. So it was very, and at first of all, when we were, went to Lee, Hi Lee, yeah. yes, uh, we had, used to meet the vans at the end of the road, you know, where the letterbox is. Yes. And every day for, for from Nock, and they came up, and somebody else came in, and they used to have, of what you would say, like a wee Kaylee, if you like, everybody collected, waiting for the, Lovely. for the co-op to come. Yeah. And then latterly, when, after that, when the rationing uh, was on, yeah. and I'm talking about early, 40s on to 50s, yeah. they said they would come up to the our house up with Mintius now, yes, yeah. and they would do the, if there were so many ration books, they would come up to the house. So that was very good. We got the van three times every second, I think it was a Thursday, and I can't remember the other day. That's but, great. Uh, but uh, they were the only ones that came up, the yeah. butcher and all that, they stopped at the village. Right. And and down the road, thereabouts. So, well, but, Really, quite well off in that sense. That's brilliant. Uh huh. That was Yuki's memories of it. That was really interesting. That the the more rationing cars there were in a community, the more they could send vans. I didn't know that at that point. There was obviously subsidy to do that. What are the delivery vans that you remember from your time here um, in Derbyshire and Tobermory and where other parts of the island where people live? Are there any ones that stand out particularly? Yes, Nikki. Skibrew milk. Skibrew milk. The cartons with the cow that had the mould picture on the side of the cow. Ah, fantastic. How was it? How was um, it? We, we stayed in their houses. Yes, of course. They'd come with so many pints, whatever you ordered. <laughs> so I think we had like every other day because we had four kids. So it's like we wanted a lot of milk. And the, the milk boxes where they delivered the milk to are still there. Really? Ah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Not yeah. far. Got post. Well, they delivered the post and the milk, in the, and, and there were like ten boxes for the ten chalets. Of course. For the car park. And how so. was it as, uh, as a milk? Because it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really nice milk. Obviously, it was. Yes, yeah. Was it okay? Yeah. It was lovely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The cartons, 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 that's, uh, it connects neatly with the, with the whole, my uh, most, most Dervig dances that I came to were punctuated with, the, the beginning and the end was a trip to and from Dervig in the milk van, in the back sliding around on a milk crate, 
and, and it always stank of milk because you know, there was always a little bit of spilt milk in there. Um, and then you'd have to stop a few times for people to be sick on the way back. Smell of raw cheese. No. Yes, Neil. I'm trying to the baker, Stephen and Wright. Ah, they were a baker. They were a, I think it's the silver shop, it's now. Right. They had a van on the road. And did they have fancy, fancy goods as well as kind of normal bread? No, it's all. Oh, ah, yes, yes, yes. But uh, I met James Wright in, last summer there, the son of Wright, uh, the baker. Yeah. And uh, he was telling me that he has just, <coughs> just bought Falcher. Into and oh, he's yeah. just bought the Western Isles Hotel. Oh my goodness me. Oh, yes, I heard well, that. that's nice to hear us back in, in the uh, lands. That's amazing. Yeah. Gosh, that's exciting to hear the Western Isles coming back up. Uh, and that's really, that's, that, uh, that could be very special indeed. Um, and so, um, other. Uh, there's a van here every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, every day. Yeah. Well, the bank ones are the only ones that I don't have. Yeah, right. McFarlane's. McFarlane's. What did McFarlane's deliver? Oh, everything. Yeah, we used to get our chill-proof vests yeah. from McFarlane's. Yule's, Yule's one. Yule's, yes. That's for Tolson Clogs, is now. All, all that building was all at Yule's shop. Yule's. Yeah. Right. And then there's... They had two vans. Two vans right. from the court. And where would they, uh, where would they come to, these vans? Would they stop at people's houses or would they stop at the Bell Crawley? Well, no, it's not at everybody's house. Everybody's house. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or into the village, yeah. 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 Oh, I've actually had a converted bus at one point. Or am I, is that something I've just made up? <laughs> <laughs> it, That's before our time. <laughs> <laughs> George, there's a lovely photo on Facebook recently of a lady uh, that works for the delivery van. Myrtle. <coughs> Do you remember Myrtle working in the van at all? I think she did videos, I think, wasn't Vid it? Well, that was, um, yeah, the, um, yeah, there was the video van, certainly, yeah. Does anyone remember the, the, the video van at all? Colin, was that? Yeah, I don't remember. remember. Right. Apparently it was quite um, liberal, so young people could be like... Uh, fish and chip van for a while, too. Fish and chip van? Yeah, there was. She was Fancy doing yeah. bends with the yeah. chip van. <laughs> <laughs> a butcher's van? A butcher's van, yes. Who was buying butcher's van then? That was the Ian Dealer. Well, uh, and his father, I've actually a photograph of his father along the village here. Yeah. With Ian as a wee boy and my mother standing at the door. Oh, fantastic. Aye. There's, um, there, yeah, uh, John Moyn, who's who done the podcast <coughs> in the past, has got some fa fantastic tales of uh, the, the delivery vans going, making their way down to Crogan and um, some, sometimes <laughs> not making their way back with such ease. <laughs> and he's sent over some photos of the um, a couple of different ones that they had down there. Um, there's one of the co-op bands. one that George Sassoon took um, down at uh, Loch Bui uh, years ago. So, yeah. Uh, do you remember, do you remember those? No, that's, um, not, to, not to ask your age, though. Yeah. Charlie, you had a lovely story there about the, the delivery van. Was it a delivery van that you were talking about? The, the, the belt-driven one? Oh, I... Tracy Square? Yes. Aye, that was the Derving one. Right. That was the MacDonald. MacDonald to Derving. <laughs> they went round. I don't know how far yeah, round they, they went. Oh, Glen Bellas. That was the main shop, Stewart. And they had two vans on the road. Was that where she was at? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
one time, and it was a butcher's. Yeah. And a general store. Uh, I don't have that. I just have the, 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 the back door, and the old fleshing shop is quietly fallen to bits. There's another Here's another photo there. Yeah. And then they came up. Yeah, that, that's the why way. the garages are high. They knocked down the garages for the the bakery. Right. Which used to do the island. Gosh, mm -hmm. from from there. Yeah, from the other house. Yeah. Uh -huh. Here's another one uh, from John's family. I think this is some elements of John's family in there as well. Uh, I'm not sure which which company that was that had that band. There's one more piece of Crowley. That's that Crowley. Jimmy Rock, Florida, Taylor, Crowley. So going back. There's no guy from the Well, that one would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you would have heard the plum. Plum? Aye. Oh, yes. Who was plum again? He stayed in the Bell Terrace. Ah, OK. <coughs> and, uh, he was to that south run, cooperate the van. Right, okay. So, on his way back, he stopped in Kinloch and had a few drams. Yes. And, as he do. Yes. And uh, the police car passed, and I saw the van. So, a policeman from Benesen phoned through to Salmon, because ah. I knew he was going back round by Greeban. Oh, right, okay. So, they said, well, we'll follow him, and you come from Salem and we'll meet, and we'll go up in the middle. Yeah. But when he's gone by Kilfinnigan, he went off the road, and all the, all the hazel trees were growing right along the side of the road. And he went through the hazel trees down onto the shore, and all the trees, all the trees stood up. <laughs> and the two, car, the two police cars met, and I wonder where he went. Hi. <laughs> Well, thank you all very much. I, I don't. I, that's 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 uh, half nine. That's that's obviously. Um, if you want to hang around and share tales, I'd love to hear. We've got sound recorders. If there's anything you want to say from the past, there's those photos over there as well to have a look at. And uh, I just want to say, um, yeah, thank you very much for coming along. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your time. Thank you for supporting the raffle as well. And yeah, look forward to seeing you again at some point soon. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who came along to the event. It was great to see you all and just have us all together in person. And a special thanks to those of you that spoke as well, especially Pat, Nick, Fiona, Andrina, Neil, Charlie, Joan, John, Sheila and Richard. Islands and Film went really well. Both Georgia and I are really chuffed with how it was received and how much money has been raised for the Mull and Iona Pantry, our local food bank. It's been seen all over the world and people have been very kind in the comments and also in the media, so thank you to all of you that supported it. It was amazing to get the chance to work with footage from 75 local people. If you want to see the film, you can find Islands on Film on our website, uh, whatwedointhewinter.com, or our YouTube channel. If you want to support the podcast, please feel free to click the donate tab on whatwedointhewinter.com. But don't worry if you don't want to or you can't. I'd much rather that you listened and went on the journey with us than, than not. 
And on that note, thank you so much to our monthly supporters. If you could leave a star review on whichever platform you listen to, I'd be really grateful. It just helps to spread the word and, about the project and makes it more visible on particularly the Apple stuff. It makes it more available for people to listen to. Thank you to all of you who reach out to say hello. It absolutely makes my day to hear from you. Now, the next episode takes us to somewhere where the podcast has never been before. Outer space. No, the Isle of Erid. It's been a big omission on our map, so I'm delighted to get the chance to take you there when next we meet. Thanks for listening. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. More and thang. Shinakate. I think it was Colin Morrison that farted. <laughs>